The apologies to end all apologies was just another well, fake apology. We're talking Robert Kraft and the Patriots, the Lakers, NCAA, and Shaquille O'Neal's new alliance. All that is coming up right now on Press Pass. Greetings and salutations, everybody. I'm Jackie Ray, your host for Press Pass. While you're here, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Now, let's get right into it. Robert Kraft. He has issued a public apology, as we knew he would. He did a good job, though, staying silent beforehand. But now he's going to be cleared of all charges. I am going to say something that's probably going to offend a lot of people, but I don't care. I'm really glad that Robert Kraft is going to be exonerated from all these charges. Maybe not exonerated, but he's not going to do any jail time, which is a good thing. The man is old. Okay, we're all going to reach that point in our life where maybe, you know, getting that kind of satisfaction, not the easiest thing in the world. So I'm happy for him. And this slight win, I guess. Here's the loss in this situation, though. Robert Kraft and the video... The video of said sexual ring, massage, whatever. William Snyder, the sheriff on this case, had said no matter what, the video is probably going to come out not only for Robert Kraft, but the other 24 men involved in the case. He says that even if they can prevent the video from coming out now, once the verdict is rendered... There's pretty much no stopping it because of the Public Information Act. Now, what I want to know is who wants to see this? Why do you want to see this? Do we have to see this? But Snyder said, quote, once a case is over, it's not an ongoing investigation. There has to be a specific reason to not release a public record. And the fact that there is sexual activity is simply not an exemption. Can it be? Please? Look, Robert. You've avoided pretty much every sort of consequence there possibly is. Cheating in Spygate, no problem. You win the Super Bowl. Deflategate, Supreme Court, no problem. Super Bowl, I need you to throw whatever money you're used to throwing at these type of situations at this video. Because I can't promise I won't watch it if it's out, but I don't need to see it. Nobody needs to see it. You're 77 years old. We get it. You still have needs. We get it. What we don't need to see is the video. That's, please, please. Because you know TMZ is going to be the, oh, God. Just, no, you know what? I don't even want to think about this anymore. What I want to do right now is get into Nick Hamilton and these NCAA finals. So that's what we're going to do right now. Nick Hamilton is up next, you guys, right here on Press Pass. Welcome back, everybody. Once again, I'm Jackie Ray, and I have a very special host. I've been lucky enough to be on his show, Nick Hamilton. He's on The Morning After with Nick Hamilton, and he's also the new host on SB Nation, and he does countless other things. He's everywhere. Literally everywhere. Yeah, I'm like Visa. I'm everywhere you want to be. But thank is. you for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Okay, no so doubt. he before we came on, I said, "Oh, let's let's start off with Duke," and he oh, said, "I'm biased. I mean, I, that's how like you, I mean, I, I see how you kick it now. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of used to how you kick it. Was I, what? I'm here on these on these uh, press pass. Okay, so I first mean, of all, Duke for me is the same way Lakers are for me. Because wow. I wouldn't like the Lakers how if it wasn't you, for LeBron, you, and I wouldn't like Duke if it wasn't for Zion. Wow. Yeah, you, you, your cape is flying real high right about now. Boy, I I'll, hope I'll so, because, go. you know, I just got it out of the cleaners. Anyway. That's not something to brag about. Just, 
something. I, I disagree. I it's feel like taping is not something you want to brag about. Like like a dude simping is not something you want to brag about. Simping is different than caping, but whatever. Nah. But whatever. Meanwhile, so <laughs> obviously the NCAA tournament is well underway, and the game with Duke was amazing. I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. Nick wanted them to lose. Oh, of course, I want to go down in a, in a flames of glory. Like I, I listen. Aside from me, my distaste for Duke, and I'll get what, into okay, that oh, later. Okay, all right. Um, like again, I enjoy watching Zion Williamson play. I think he's phenomenal. I thought he was an idiot for coming back to play after that last injury ah, he suffered. We finally agree. Because the thing about it is this: what else does he have to prove? They're not going to win a national championship this year, and I'm not saying that just because of the fact that I have a disdain for them. But the fact I look at how the depth in their in their bench, they don't have a, a deep bench. It's not strong as you, we've seen previous Duke teams execute the way that they need to execute to get to that final four level. I don't see that this time around. I like Zion. I think all eyes on Zion um, and they should be. I mean, he's a phenomenal player. Um, I think that he is. I mean, that one bounce pass he had with the left and he. I mean, just from right past, I think it was right past half court. It was absolutely fantastic to watch. I mean, if you have a highlight clips, you could put them all together and be like, this is Zion Williamson in one game. You don't need a bunch of a whole season to look at Zion Williamson. You can watch one game and at least come up with at least five to seven clips that, that give you a reason why you should watch this kid at the next level. But they definitely won against uh, UCF. Because of Zion, especially in the last moments when he bullied his way in and got the and one. Now, granted, he did miss the free throw. However, don't do that. Don't do that. If he had not missed that free throw, though, then they wouldn't have got the rebound and then got two. So, I mean, technically. And if we're fifth, we all be drunk. But But I'm just saying it it all was just harmonious in how it happened. No, no, it's not. It was to be quite honest, Duke was very fortunate to get that win. I mean, UCF, they tricked off an opportunity to get a win because they had two chances to get that they win. Did. All they had to do was, okay, the first dude laid it in. It was in it. and out, though. It was a good no, shot. No, it missed it, it but was then a he got shot. the rebound. And, and if you look at the instant replay, they, you know, he tapped it off the, the, the back iron, and it was too hard, and obviously it came out. And Duke got the rebound. That was the end of the game. But you, uh, there were a lot more games this season like that for Duke that were very, I mean, tighter than the Beyonce jumpsuit. So, I mean, they they have been always... Beehive. I hold no responsibility you know, for what I we mean, just said. They have. I mean, they've, they've had a lot of close calls with Zion. And in the few games that Zion was out, they had a couple of close calls. Um, and so this is a team, like I said... There's no reason why a Duke team, if they were a well-oiled machine, like they like we've seen previous Duke teams come down to the wire that close against a quote-unquote less than UCF team. Um, and UCF was no, they were no slouch. But no, at the same time, well. you have to look at the, if you're looking at previous Duke teams, how Coach K puts his teams together, they pretty much will wipe the floor with you after a while. They'll go on these runs, um, and and we've seen that in in, in various other games with other teams. You look at Vitek. What they've done, you look at North Carolina, go Tar Heels, um, and you've seen you, you've seen what they what they've accomplished. And then, uh, I mean, the two sleeper teams that we watched in Murray State and UC Irvine, you look at how they've been effectively been able to execute defensively, be able to get back on transition defense. And then you also look at the fact of what you see from a guy like Ja, um, who I can't wait to get to the next level because that kid is special. That kid is uh, is very very mature at his position beyond his years and I, I think whatever NBA team gets him is going to be somebody special okay so speaking of Ja then of I mean because obviously that's what's on everyone's mind right now is 
the next transition, especially into the NBA. It's one of the reasons we are agreed, and I said this last week, that I didn't think Zion should come back. I just felt like don't risk injury when you've got the NBA around the corner. It doesn't make sense. However, they would not have won, like I said, this game without him. Yeah, but you hustling backwards. Because what the hell does he have to prove? I, I, mean, I totally agree. What does Duke have to prove? I mean, Duke has a legacy. I mean, let's look at what Coach K has accomplished in his time of coaching. Like, they have really nothing to prove. Yes, you want to win every year. That's why you play in the tournaments. But you really have nothing to prove. Nobody loses technically because Duke is still going to be Duke. Next year when Zion is gone, they'll have somebody else that they'll, they'll recruit. So Duke is still going to be Duke. Zion is going to be Zion. But will he be Zion if he takes another injury? I mean, you look at the game against Syracuse where the dude intentionally tried to trip Zion to injure him. Mm -hmm. There are a lot... Dude's sodium levels are so high right now because they can't stand Zion because he's getting all the press and well-deserved press. So do you think that if... He had sat out. If he had said, you know what? No, I'm going to protect my asset, which is me. I'm my own asset. And I'm going to sit out. Do you think that would have reflected negatively in the NBA draft for him? Oh, it would have reflected negatively on him, period. And I don't think he can stay. He's not strong enough to take that kind of heat. He's not built that way. He's a basketball player. He's exactly what the traditional play ball, because what else is he really going to do? He's a ball player. He's going to play basketball. What else is he going to do for the next six months outside of, oh, let me think about that. Hire an agent, um, get ready for the NBA draft, work my behind off, and, oh, yeah, be the number one pick. But they don't think like that. Zion is a very – is a very – he doesn't strike me as a confrontational individual. I think he likes – he wants to be liked more than he doesn't care about being liked. Um, that's just, I mean, that's the impression that I got. I could be wrong, but I mean, that's just the impression that I've gotten just from him um, and, and the statements that he's made about him returning to Duke post his injury. Um, I don't get the fact that he's a, you know, a Russell Westbrook where he's like, man, F y'all. I'm I'm leaving. F y'all. That could that's change if he ends up in New York. That's not him. I feel like New York changes everybody. Yes, but but, <laughs> but, like but Gotham City, that's what Gotham City is, though. <laughs> Gotham City does that to you if you're not a strong-willed individual. But the thing about it is if he does go to the Knicks, which is highly anticipated, and the Knicks get the number one pick out the ping-pong balls, it could lure a big-name free agent to go play with Zion based upon just the, 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 the potential that he has as an NBA player. I've said this before, and I've talked to you about this, I think. I think Ja is going to be a better NBA player and have a better career. I think Zion's going to be the number one pick and have a good career, but he's not going to have a great career. He's not going to be a superstar. So I just don't think you sit under Coach K and walk out with no leadership skills. But you got to be born with it. I think you have to be born with it, and I think it takes a special person to bring it out of you. But I don't think I don't see Zion as a leader. I hmm. see him as I can see him as an individual that can, you know, command respect as far as his game. But I don't see him as a leader. I see Ja more as a leader than I just see Zion. Where Where do you think Ja will end up? He's top five. And but like, I ideally, mean, if, Phoenix, if Phoenix gets the number two pick, I can see him going to the Suns. I mean, you pair him up with Devin Booker. You look at him with with uh, DeAndre Ayton because Josh Jackson has been a complete joke. He's been a bust. Oh, uh, he's a complete joke. Okay, so does Zion? You know, we've heard we heard the comparisons all the time. Um, Zion is my favorite um, collegiate player, just because I like you know I love the bigs. I feel like the league now has ventured away from the bigs. I appreciate the bigs. I love especially that last play. Like I said, when he bullied in, I love that kind of play. Um, does he remind you of LeBron James? No, 
Not at all. He's more of a Charles Barkley, just a, okay. a, a more finessed, polished Charles Barkley. Mm-hmm. Um, when Barkley first came into the NBA, I mean, Barley was a beast. Don't get me wrong, but I think he was. It took him some time to get his to, to find his way, and it's gonna take time for Zion to find his way too. But I think Zion is a little bit more polished, a little bit have, has a little bit more finesse um, with his game, and I think he's gonna learn a lot very quickly, especially being if he goes to Gotham City. Well, okay. So speaking of LeBron James and the comparison, you guys already know where this is going because every single show ends up on LeBron James. But one of the things that I've been reading is, you know, we're talking a lot about the failure of this season with the Lakers. The last time um, LeBron didn't go to the playoffs was 2004-2005 season. Right, that's yeah, the last, yeah. It was called the Facebook. Destiny Child was still together. The Facebook. It yeah. was called the. There was a the in front of Facebook. I did not know that. Yeah. Not only that, Fifty Cent had Candy Shop out, which was the number one hit, and there were no iPhones. Imagine that. Oh boy. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> that is like that. I just thought about the Candy Shop. Like that's that's insane. So, yeah. Destiny Child was still together. Yes, they were. Was it the original Destiny Child? I believe so. Holy rusted metal. That is insane. Goodness gracious. So let's discuss the flop of this season. Now, one of the things that I've been reading a lot is that management, a.k.a. Magic, kind of expected... My dad used to do this to me all the time. No matter what sport I was doing, he no matter what the school was doing, he was going to take me after to play with people who were better than me because he said right. you you instantly get better when you play with people who are better than you. And it seems that that's the overall consensus from Magic and upper management, that the kids were going to get better because LeBron was there. I did not see that. Did you see that? I missed that vision. You um, missed the vision entirely. I missed that vision. I, 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 I mean, I mean, that was that was some Reverend Ike type vision. Um, <laughs> because here's the problem I have with that. When I, I first of all, I told you before it even happened that LeBron was coming to the Lakers. Yes, and I and I prayed and, and fasted and prayed that it wouldn't. We know, Lord knows, you don't need to do no fasting. See, this is why, but, people. <laughs> but as I was saying, but no, I mean, I, I, I looked at the way the team was constructed. I mean, you, yes, they have a nice young core. I like, you know, Kyle Kuzma. I like Brandon Ingram. I always had hope out for Brandon Ingram that he would finally develop. And we saw that in this, near the, close to the second right. half and really in the second half of the season before his unfortunate uh, injury, which thankfully they, they found the, the – uh, Blood clot. Because that could have been serious. Exactly. He could have died. Exactly. I mean, you never know. So I'm I'm very happy in that he's going to make a full recovery. Uh, but you saw those guys. You even saw uh, Josh Hart coming along. You saw um, they have some interesting pieces like Lance Stevenson. You saw JaVale McGee. Um, you saw a lot of different pieces. Rajon Rondo, who's, who I thought has always been a floor general. Yeah. Um, and his offensive game has actually been a lot better than when he was at previous teams, even in New Orleans, mm-hmm. because he was mainly known for defense, setting up plays, setting up guys, mm-hmm. um, which he got the floor general moniker. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I look at how this team was constructed in the original uh, aspect, I was like, what? Well, first of all, if you look at traditional LeBron James teams, he usually has a, a, a shooters and a volume score. Right. They didn't have that this time. And if I'm Rob Palenka as the general manager and I'm Magic Johnson as the president of basketball operations and I have an excellent scouting department, which they do, Jerry West's son is one of the scouts there, um, so the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, you could have easily got a Kyle Korver. You could have gotten a Jamal Crawford. At least come on the bench to to be the kind of the, the anchor to that second unit. And they didn't get any of that. So why didn't they? Beats the hell out of me. I mean, it only made sense. Maybe they felt like, you know, Magic felt like this would be a team that LeBron would sign off on. And LeBron probably felt like, hey, I've carried 
worse competent, you know, worse teammates on my back and got them to the NBA Finals. But aha, you're not in the Eastern Conference anymore, Dorothy. You're in the West, and the West is completely different. It is completely different. I mean, look, it's a, it's a more difficult division. It's a for very sure. difficult, and it's and it's a, it's a tedious division mm-hmm. because it's a mar- it's truly a marathon. Like my mm-hmm. man Nipsey Hussle says, it's a marathon. I mean, it really is because you look at this. Look how tight it's been from opening tip to where it is right now. It's it's still tight. It's still tight between five through eight. It's completely tight. Now we pretty much know who one and two is going to be. Obviously, Golden State is number one. They're probably going to hang on to that. Denver Nuggets, number two. Number two. But after that, I mean, you look through five through eight, you have the Clippers, you have OKC, you have San Antonio. I mean, there are a lot of – five through eight is, is gridlocked. Right. So if I'm if I'm the Los Angeles Lakers, yeah, they at, one, at one time they were four, but I never thought that they were going to be – higher than an eight seed because of the way the team was constructed throughout the marathon. Yeah, it's easy to do stuff up until December 25th. That's great. But you still got a whole season to still play. And then after the All-Star break, even though LeBron went down for 18 games, they never built anything to say, okay, what if LeBron goes down? What's, what, what, is the, what is the emergency in the glass routine if, if LeBron goes down? Mm-hmm. Break in case of fire. <laughs> Damn it, you had a fire. Yeah. You had a brush fire because Rondo went down the very next game in Sacramento. Yep. So what do you do now? You can't rely on the young guys. So I'm going to I'm going to it's a disaster. Kind of take off my LeBron cape as you oh, say. Oh man, it's coming off. It's just a second though. It's not going to stay off for long. What are you doing? I was making sure. So the sky is stopping yeah. right now. Um. So here's here's the thing. Now we have battled about this because he wants to place a big chunk of the blame for this season on LeBron James. No, I, no, that's not true. You said... Did you watch me on Going Rogan? Did you hear what I said on Going Rogan on NBC4? Did you hear me Did you hear me say that? I heard some blasphemous stuff and then, you know, about... But did I, I never said that. What I said was, and I repeat myself what I said on that particular program, is the fact that you can't... It's easy to place a lot of blame on LeBron because he's the fall guy. He's the bullseye. Hmm. Some of the blame does go to LeBron. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, also the other parts of the blame go to Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka because they they are the ones that constructed this team. They came up with the blueprint. They wanted to get the big the big fish, which was LeBron. Totally get it. And Magic did say, and I have to caution people. Magic did say, "Hey man, it's going to take two seasons to turn this thing around." Which I also said, even though this team was a disaster because they did not make the playoffs, not even an eight seed. I mean, they're mathematic. They, they were mathematically eliminated. On Friday night against the Brooklyn Nets, when the Brooklyn Nets beat them, and former Laker D'Angelo Russell torched But they them. were theoretically eliminated. Yeah, theoretically, a long mathematically, time ago. they still had a chance. <laughs> right, right. So here's the problem I've always had with this entire situation. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's not broke, don't fix it, kind of thing. So we know the formula in which LeBron succeeds. So, so to bring him here into this situation, and I personally didn't think I, I agree with you wholeheartedly he needs a shooter he needed all that but there's a certain amount of hype that surrounded these young guys in LA and I didn't see any chance in hell that Magic was going to get rid of that hype because Laker fans wanted to see this core be successful with LeBron and I think Magic and Palenka played into that and then when it started failing then they hit the panic button everybody took the Golden State model right everybody said okay look what Bob Myers did in Golden State former 
you know, former uh, agent, now turned GM. Look what, the, what the, look what the Golden State Warriors did and look how well it's worked. Well, just because it worked for them doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons why I feel like they hired Luke Walter because during that process that Steve Kerr was out with a back injury, they had, they had top-notch coaches. So Luke stepped in. They went, what, undefeated? Why? Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah, well, you and I could have coached that Golden State Warriors team. Absolutely. They were so loaded. Absolutely. I mean, but then you also had a – people forget you had a defensive-minded coach in Mike Brown who was like the defensive coordinator for that team. And that team ran a lot of sets, a lot of defensive traps, which kept them in ball games. People want to overlook that, but it was really Mike Brown that was keeping that team anchored and afloat. When you look at what the Lakers were trying to attempt to do, they tried to mimic that and it didn't work. And then the first head-scratcher I saw was the fact – that you let Boogie Cousins go when you could have got him for the dirt cheap. Right. And he goes to the 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 Golden State Warriors who are already a juggernaut. So I look at the Golden State Warriors as death row and <laughs> and and Boogie <laughs> was Tupac. And we all know how big all eyes on me was and how big Pac got even bigger when he went to death row. Well this is what Boogie did. Boogie Boogie got bigger and Golden State got bigger. Like that's what happened. You just went straight that to the competitor. Hilarious. Right? So now okay then you go and sign an old Tyson Chandler, which I Tyson Chandler was only effective for like a good two weeks. But it was a really good two weeks, and it gave you hope, and it made you feel like that was it. Did yeah, I did? Well, I you, had hope. It was a hope, or you just being thirsty? I was. It was hope. I thought. I, I think it's more thirst. Why was I you being need, thirsty? You, you need a body armor because you you need to quench your thirst and stay hydrated. How would I be thirsty? Because for you were, Tyson, you were hoping and a praying. And a, no, see, you was eating, no, so you was eating wish the, sandwiches, weren't you? You no, eating wish sandwiches. Here's yeah, the you thing: are. like deep it's down, gonna it's, help I am LeBron, not. No, I am. Dear Lord, there's a part of me that likes to be right, and I knew this a was going to happen. Shut up. Anyway, <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. So here, here was the the question mark in my mind the entire time. Right. Everyone was saying, "Oh, as soon as LeBron comes, that automatically puts the Lakers in the playoff in a playoff contention." So what if it, why, why, why is it your goal to get to the playoffs to lose? That's silly. Because here's the problem. No, it's not really. Because look at this. You have missed the playoffs for five consecutive years. Six now, right? Now it's six. But at the, at, during the season, it was still, you will still have the five mark, right? You were, you were, you were a donut and five when it came to playoff appearances, right? So the Lakers as a whole, before, but I think it was right after the Kobe won the championship in 2010, they had a 92.3 success rate of getting into the playoffs. Now you a donut in five. You have to take baby steps. Puff, puff, give. Got to crawl before you walk. And that's what the Lakers were doing. They were taking baby steps. They were saying, okay, let's get to the playoffs. I thought they could at least get to the second round because depending on how they seeded, whether it was a seventh or if they got into the seventh seed, they had a chance against Denver. Because let's be clear, if, they, if those guys were healthy, those guys were healthy and playing. I'm going to tell you a reason why it was the biggest disruption of that team. It had nothing to do with what happened on the floor. Anthony Davis. No. Close. It's your close, my friend. The way they went about Anthony Davis. Right. The fact, and I'll say this, and I'll say it again. I said it on my radio show, and I'll say it here on your, on, on your extravagant show. When you're dealing with young-minded individuals in a different type of generation that we live in today magic should have sat these guys down and said listen this is the business of the nba you guys want to be nba ballers this is what happens in the nba it's a business first sports second 
You don't and, think and he and said he that to them last season when half the team went to Cleveland? No. You know why? Hmm. Because if he did, why would the kids react that way? Because they're kids. No, because they've never been told that. They were they were they were under a sneak attack. Just like if some we talked about this, and I'm not gonna get personal for the people out there, <laughs> but we talked about this about a certain particular situation that transpired behind behind mm-hmm. closed doors that we had to find out in public. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were upset visibly that you found this out in public when you should have been told this in private by the people that were in charge. How do you think they felt when their names came, when a whole trade scenario started surfacing on the four-letter network and other three-letter networks out there? They were, they were saying, well, dude, wait a minute. This dude told me I'm going to be a Laker. This dude drafted me number two. Wait a minute. I'm a number two pick. Wait a minute. I'm a, still a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. And you're going to trade me for this dude? Mm-hmm. And you're going to trade half the team for this dude? For one for one dude, you're going to trade... Everybody's expendable but LeBron. So what is? how does that zero into LeBron? So that makes it seem like, well, damn, LeBron has some say-so on if he didn't trade it. Absolutely. Which, what if he didn't? Now you put him in a precarious situation because you're you're making him the fall guy. But history, you're making him the bad history, guy. Okay. History has proven that LeBron gets the team that he wants. That right. is history. Right. But what I'm saying is with, with he's never had a GM other than Pat Riley. He's never had a GM like Magic or – a, 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 a guy in, in in hierarchy like a Magic Johnson, except for Pat Riley. Mm-hmm. And Pat Riley put his foot down, was like, no, you're not about to come over here and run nothing but your mouth, and you're going to run your feet into the ground within these 94 feet. That's why he left Miami, because Pat Riley was like, you're not going to ruin our franchise. We're going to make sure, now, if you want to be here, we want you here, but you're not going to run nothing. So if you're comparing Magic and Pat Riley, then how does this happen? Because Magic didn't, what I'm saying is this, Magic, I don't believe Magic put his foot down strong enough. And that's not a knock on Magic Johnson because I believe that when Magic does something and says something, we all listen. Right. He has a track record. We all listen. But I think there could have been a point where, you know, Magic was like, man, we got LeBron. We got to make sure he, you know, we don't lose him. He doesn't tune us out. And it's a fine line. It's not an easy thing to deal with a superstar of LeBron's caliber. It's almost like dealing with a Kobe Bryant in his prime. You don't want to lose a Kobe Bryant because if you lose a Kobe Bryant, you're down the toilet fast. So with LeBron James, you got to be delicate, but you have to kind of take a stern approach. And I think if Magic would have took a sterner approach and say, look, we're going to get these players. Now, this is what we're going to do. Now, he may say, hey, man, you may be cool with this or not, but now you're under contract. So you're going to play. But the thing about it is they never got him a coach. Well, so, okay, I'm glad you mentioned that because they here's the other, here's the other problem. And, and LeBron, you know that I love you. But here's, here's one of the problems with going straight from high school to the league. We've heard Zion say over and over again that, you know, I play for Coach K. I play for the best coach. Mm-hmm. LeBron has never, in my opinion, now – we could argue the Miami point, and and I and I would agree with you on that. But I feel like by the time LeBron got to Miami, he was LeBron. He was King James by the time he got to Miami. You need to catch him when he's LeBron James. I just don't feel like he's had. So who who would they bring in now that could coach him? Well, to to your to quickly to your earlier point, he's never been LeBron James. He's always been King James. I mean, this is a guy that ESPN. Had his high school. They were carrying his high school. They games. were, but and he, then he was, was on, still. He was plastered over Sports Illustrated at seventeen. I understand that. This is the same guy that got a, a ninety thousand dollar Hummer and shook Adidas for Nike. So right. 
here's the thing. He was already paid before he signed his first NBA contract. Yeah, but that's the so, that's the money. That's the. But so, we're no, no, talking but about I, getting no, on no. The, on the court with legends. No, I understand that. But what I'm saying is, he never had anybody teach him how to be a leader. He had to learn that on his own, mm. and that's to me has always been his biggest challenge was how to lead. Because if nobody taught you or showed you how to lead, because you first have to follow before you lead. He's never had a Phil Jackson. He's right. never had a Greg Popovich. Mm-hmm. He's never even had, dare I say, a Steve Kerr or a Doc Rivers that taught guys how to lead. Look how much Kevin Garnett improved under Doc Rivers. Mm -hmm. Look how much Paul Pierce improved under not just Doc Rivers, but Kevin Garnett. Mm -hmm. Because Doc showed Kevin how to be a leader, how to be a ferocious competitor. He was already a competitive guy, but to be that ferocious leader, competitive guy, guy, where he was telling guys, hey, we're going to sit down, we're going to eat lunch at this time. The Is same that fair thing. though? Because we've heard we've heard He's the ne- mic be hot, and we've heard LeBron tell these kids, "Hey, if your brother falls, you pick him up." We've heard him offer happened? words but, of encouragement. But what happened with that? That went out the window. Why? Because it's not it's not something that we all can say stuff. Hey, Jackie, I'm gonna start opening up the door for you when you walk through doors, and I may do that the first two or three times. But if it's not innate, if it's not already in me, if my mom didn't raise me to say, "Hey, you open doors for women, no matter who they may be." You know, this is how you do it. You open the car door, you know, whatever it is. If that wasn't innate in me, I'm only going to do it to pacify. But if it's if it's not, it's going to it's going to fly. Out the so window. then LeBron should never be on a team that's really young. Because no, you, absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, he was against Eric Spolstra being his coach. And remember, Pat Riley was like, no, I'm not coming back down off the mountaintop. This is your coach. Mm-hmm. You deal with it. You work it out. And eventually he grew a respect for Eric Spolstra because Eric Spolstra didn't know the game. Mm-hmm. He was just inexperienced because he'd never been in that position before. But Eric Spolstra's been in the NBA for 20 plus years. Right. Behind the scenes, learning him and Mike Brown. So this is why they had that. They had they, they did it, you know, with levels. LeBron needs a coach that's going to sit here. And I, 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 I believe it's incredibly unfair to have rumors and have reports out here that LeBron doesn't want to be coach. That's completely untrue and false. LeBron doesn't want somebody who is inferior to him IQ-wise. LeBron is a very cerebral, very high IQ, basketball IQ type of individual. You have to gain his respect. Once you gain his respect as from player to coach, then you'll see the LeBron, you'll get the LeBron that everybody wants to get. So who is that coach? Is it Doc Rivers? It could be. It could have been. It could have. You're using past tense. No, because Doc is staying with the Clippers. We you, we know this for sure. Doc's staying with the Clippers. He came I mean, out he, and said it. He and did. I do believe and I do believe I might I have no confirmation. This is just an opinion, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, it's just an opinion. I do believe there could have been some essence of or remnants of Doc's people putting a story out there like, Hey, the Lakers, you know, the Lakers are looking for a new head coach. I ain't far away. I could cross the hall. Just so he go to Balmer and say, Hey, I need a little bit more re up. But he just re-upped his con- contract. A little bit. I need some more. What did Buster Rhymes say? Give me some more. Oh I'm just saying. God. Give me some more. What's better than money? More money. There you go. Um, I do think Doc is incredibly intelligent. And I, I will say this. I, I don't believe he's going to leave the Clippers because I think he's in a Why very he? I, he's an, in an ideal situation. However, True. that being said, I do think he's smart enough to, even if that is his thought process, he's going to play the game. And he is going to say, I'm staying in in you know, I'm staying across the hall. I'm staying on my side of the hall. Y'all stay on your side of the hall, especially because he saw how the Lakers imploded. He's not going to put that out there now when we do have a playoff run. 
I don't know what's going to happen. I would love to see Doc coach King James. That's not going to happen. Unless you play NBA 2K. Then you can probably do that. You can probably try it. All right, so we're going to move on because you know I could talk LeBron James all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. Yes, I could. Yes, I could. But I want to get to, you know, another favorite. He's part of the reason I wasn't a huge Kobe fan, and that is Shaquille O'Neal. Um, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Shaquille, especially his career off the court. You guys know he's a commentator. He's also the owner of the Five Guys franchise, but you might not know he owns 155 restaurants in that franchise. He also um, owns several auntie, I forget the pretzel franchise. He has his own soda. He he has his own soda. He's a spokesman for the general insurance. Yep. <laughs> Go to save some time with the cartoon guy, the cute guy, yeah. I like that guy. Yeah, That's so he funny. he's definitely <laughs> he's definitely a businessman that you that you have Very to respect. Smart. Yes. So that being said, I just want to go on the record and say that I do have respect for this man. However, let's just That's like saying no disrespect, but I'm about to disrespect you. Well, it, the shade is coming, people. So just you know, take sunglasses off because here we go. So Papa John's, we all know the situation that happened with Papa John's. We know that the owner, uh, Schaffner is his last name, John John Schnaffner, (laughs) we know that he kind of got beside himself, you know, in 2017 when the Colin Kaepernick situation was happening, he decided to take to the world and say that, you know, the NFL needed to put their foot down because these protests were causing his sales to decline. He then goes into a conference call with his team, with um, management and with marketing. Um, and then he says, they say, hey, so what are you going to do to distance yourself from kind of this this racist undertone? He gets a, he gets offended. He says, you know, Colonel Sanders called blacks the N-word. And no one ever publicly drug him. So basically he's saying, I want to use the N-word. I want to say what, that's how I took it. So he goes on to the fake apology we all know very, very well. And then ultimately resigns his post. Nonetheless, Papa John's stock has continued to fall. Their sales have never recovered from that moment in time. Enter Shaq. Shaq is now the first and the only black board member for Papa John's. He's also going to be um, owning, he's going to be 30% owner. Papa John's is going to be 70% of nine restaurants in Atlanta, a predominantly black area. Mm -hmm. And he's also going to be the ambassador, a.k.a. the face of Papa John's. To me, this is a sellout moment. Houseway. Because, you know, a lot of people, you know, I've posted that on my on my Facebook. I said, this is why we can't have nice things because too many of us sell out too easily. And people was like, how is he selling out? What we need is this. We need diversity in these situations so these situations don't happen again. I disagree. I don't care how much diversity you have in situations. If this is how people feel about you, this is how people will feel. You are, in my opinion... <laughs> Shaq is dancing for the devil right now. I don't know how else to phrase it. I mean, I disagree. And this is why I disagree. I, I I agree with you on this point, that as long as Papa John is on the board, which I don't know if he's still on the board or not, but at that time, he had just moved into a board seat. He was no longer the CEO. He was no longer the face, which he should have been. He was What he said was, 
was absolutely classless. It was racist. It was it was pointless to even say that. If you didn't agree with the protest, that's fine. There's a lot of companies that don't agree with the protest. They never have to make a statement and have a soliloquy of a, of a bunch of stories put out there that they don't agree with the protest. Either you do or you don't. I mean, so that's neither here nor there. The fact that you had to go on top of it and come out with almost a campaign against the protest made you look like a bigger idiot than you already were. Did it though? Because I felt the timing of that was perfect because the president was on the same campaign. Well, Trump Trump has always been on the campaign. I mean, he disrespected these men and their mothers by calling them SOBs. So that was already a campaign already done. He just added a little bit more charcoal to to the barbecue, so to speak. But at the same time, with him being removed, yeah, their sales took a hit. I mean, to the point where they had to bring in diversity groups and specialty groups. You know, those people that come in and take those surveys and say, hey, how do you feel about this? How do you? F-? They were actually investing millions of dollars into survey groups to try to salvage that dollar because they knew when they messed up, they were absolutely wrong and they screwed it up big time. But they had no need. It took a racist comment for them to all of a sudden need diversity groups. It's a diverse well, situation. Well, it, here's, a, here's the problem. I, I don't disagree with that part. Now, when you bring in Shaq, and I understand Shaq is a larger-than-life public figure. Shaq is one of the funnest figures. I had, I've interacted with Shaq a couple of times when I've been at games or whatever. And he's absolutely... I mean, there was a time where I'm sitting there doing a stand-up, and Shaq comes behind me and bear hugs me. I'm Aww, like, dude, what are you doing? No, 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 pause. <laughs> but it was funny because it was like, it's Shaq. It's mm-hmm. funny because it's Shaq. And Shaq is like, he's a big kid, right? Like, he's like a big kid. He's like, hey, bro, Aww. how you doing? I'm like, what's up, Big Shaq? That's a pretty good Shaq impression. Yeah, I mean, that's how he sounded. He sounded like, <laughs> I mean, Shaq could be the voice of God on like a he voiceover in, in cartoons. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. But when you look at, I, I, I understand where Shaq is coming from because one thing Shaq did mention at his press conference is that, hey, there's a lot of minority owners that took a hit because of one idiot that, that they had nothing to do with. I mean, case in point. A new franchise, a Papa John's franchise opened up on Crenshaw in the Crenshaw district way before Papa John's came out with these racist comments. Now, are they supposed to sell their franchise because they're actually starting to make money? That's not fair to them. So I understand Shaq's premise as far as saying, look, I'm here to try to protect the minorities that have been already invested years into their franchises, probably was making money, putting help putting their kids through school or whatever they were using to, to better their franchises. So I understand him from that standpoint saying, hey, I'm trying to protect them and trying to get money back for them so they can rise up. And like you said earlier, they have what, about nine new franchises coming to the Atlanta, the Atlanta metro area. So that's obviously going to be black owned or black franchise or, you know, using black folks in some sort of capacity. So I understand it from that standpoint. What I disagree with, I can't call him selling out because they're actually he's trying to change something. He's trying to do something different then what the status quo was, was not doing nothing at all. Just complaining and saying, hey, we're going to protest them and we're going to put these guys out of business. Well, we f- we tend to forget that there are a lot of minority black owners and brown owner, brown people that own franchises that are trying to make money. At one point in time, I thought about getting involved with a franchise like that with a couple of other people saying, dang, dude, Papa John's is actually not a bad franchise. It's new. It's bubbling. It's not like Pizza Hut or any of these other places where it's already corporate. They actually give you franchise opportunities like you, like you see with Wingstop and others so it was like okay that's a cool idea we could put it in our community we could hire people that look like us and we could actually build up the infrastructure one idiot decided to say you know what i'm gonna be i'm gonna be racist person of the year not just an idiot 
the founder. The fa- exactly, and that's what made it even worse. So again, I can't call. Sh- I can't. I, I I understand your premise, but I think you're kind of off base in calling him a sellout because it'd be different if he wasn't getting any revenue and wasn't trying to help the minority owners of these franchises. And Shaq was only out for Shaq, and he was like, "Hey, I'm about to get paid. I'm about to get this, you know." 15 20 million dollar check and I'm gonna be their face and that's it. If you it's guys two follow, sides to the coin. Uh, yeah, there's yeah, there always is. But if you guys follow me on social media, which is J Ray the Fanatic, by the way, um, you guys know that is not how I, I I mean I hear what you're saying. I'm not discounting anything that you're saying. He could actually see it like that. However, you this is trying to reinvent the wheel. Is basically how? because you're Instead trying to turn it into your favor. How? Because at the end of the day, we have no everybody out there who's black has been black their whole life. We know how this game goes. That's, that's breaking news. But yeah, we know how this game goes. We know that our parents were suffering from this. Their parents were suffering. Like this okay. is this is not going to change. And so if your if your premise is let me go because these black owners are suffering. These people did open these these restaurants for like you say to better their lives, their children's lives, sends their kids through college, then why not take take a different stance? Why not go to them? Why not create your own black-owned, black-operated franchise but why, but to why help do, these people? But why do that when you already have something that's established that makes it easier for you to get out there? Something has, that's so established saying, that change. has already proven that wait, they wait, do not but, care but, about but, you. But, we did, but previously, people didn't know that. It didn't come out until way later. What I'm saying to you is it, it can change something economically. Yeah, but economically, the more we have black so we, ownership, right. the so better what economically so what I'm saying, we are. Okay, but what I'm also saying is this. You can't start to have any type of black ownership till you get into the game. You got to get into the Shaq's game. Shaq's in the game. No, I'm talking about the other. I'm talking about these minority owners that, that ran it. That but game. I'm saying he's in the game. Yeah, but so. Help those so who fa- are starting in the game. And that's what he's doing with this. By partnering with those who don't give a damn. You sometimes you have to do what you have to do in order to do what you want to do. And what I'm saying is with Shaq, this is not like a, a situation. I'll give you a prime example. The PGA Tour. Back in the 80s and the early 90s, a lot of restricted country clubs could not get the PGA Tour. You know why? Because they were restricted, meaning restricted, meaning they didn't allow women on their boards and they didn't allow black and brown people to be in their in their facilities. So therefore, the PGA was like, nope, you're not getting it. And that's millions of dollars. For those of you out there that don't understand how big the PGA is, those are millions of dollars beyond Tiger Woods, beyond Phil Mickelson. There are millions of dollars that go back decades. The, the, the Masters and all these other events. So what I'm saying is they would they tried to be slick and say, hey, we're going to get this one black dude to come in here and we're going to give him a membership. They tried to put Master P in that same trick bag and Master P almost fell for it. There have been many others beyond Master P. And as, I'm, I'm saying there's no disrespect to Master P, but I'm saying I'm just using him as an example. There have been a lot of other brothers and sisters that they've gone out there to try to use them and say, hey, sign up we'll let you become a club member and all this other stuff so they can go approach the pga and say hey we're no longer a restricted country club you don't think that's what's happening to Shaq? no because here's the thing the difference is Shaq is not Shaq is always going to be a face whether it's papa john's whether it's popeyes whether it's whoever Shaq is going to sell regardless 
You don't think it's a slightly hypocritical and not even any kind of slap in the face that you open in in Atlanta. You didn't think about opening in Atlanta before. Their stock rise six point three percent. They didn't. They didn't think about it, but Shaq did. That's the difference. That's what I'm saying. So he's literally doing. He's saying, "Look, I understand black because folks he, don't really mess with you no more." But he's trying to create. But he's trying. But he's also trying to create economic growth and development. See, I just think that this is one of the reasons our protests don't work. I think this is one of the reasons why we we fail as a people is because we we instead of saying hey let's focus on us how can we make this better for us we say okay how can i dance at their table which they've already shown they don't want me sitting at but here's the thing but you flip the script that's what i'm trying to tell you, you don't sit you don't stay at the damn table what i'm saying is what's better okay if i start a business from the ground and got to spend years upon years and go into the go into the red never to see the black in years financially Instead of, or I can go buy into a a, a a digital network, start, you know, building up, buying 5% here, 7% here, 5% here, 7% there, till I get majority ownership. The same thing Michael Jordan did with the Charlotte Hornets. He got, he was a minority owner, built up, built up, stacking his bread like Tetris. So instead, if you can't beat them, join them. But then you but you beat them as far as saying, hey, now I have majority ownership. So now I call the shots. So whatever you're trying to do, I can call the shots now. That's how you play the game. You play to what did my man Herman Edwards say? You play to win the game. Hello. I'm not and again, like I said, I'm not mad at that premise per se. I just think that we have enough. I, I'm not, but I just think we have enough in our in the black community, we have enough. Economic resources. We have enough people who well, can build the table for us that we just have to get to I'm the point where we're, we don't we don't feel like we have to sit at a table that wasn't even built for us, and they didn't want to invite us to until. I mean, and that's the thing they didn't I want to invite us to until. Anyway, thank you so much, Nick, for being on the show. Tell everybody where they thank can you for find you. Me. Nah, it was fun, man. I, I mean, like I said, I, I come here to kick it. I come here to kick it with the people. I come in to kick it with you. I come in to kick it with the people. Now, you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram <laughs> at Nick Hamilton LA. You can also catch me on the morning after with Nick Hamilton. You can also catch it at the iTunes store. Make sure you give me five stars. Don't 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 be a sucker. And don't give me five stars. Appreciate you. And if you're out and about and you're on a red carpet and you see anybody important, just look around. Nick is probably there somewhere because he's just I'm out here out here in these streets <laughs> I'm, I'm here deep in these streets he is everywhere but make sure you follow me on all things social media at jray the fanatic don't forget to tune in every week to watch me on the fumble and don't forget to check me out every week on after buzz tv again it's your girl jackie ray and nick hamilton the one and only all right guys don't forget to come back next week and don't forget we always have your press pass